glad that we have this opportunity to share God's word. And this morning's sermon is actually based upon a whole lot of social media last Sunday. Anyone knew what took place last Sunday? Super Bowl. Someone, someone said it. Super Bowl. There's a lot that affects Christians, including the Super Bowl. It's amazing because when we talk about social media, it's one of those things that everyone seems like it's, well, it's my platform. I get to share what I want to share and say what I want to say. And, and sometimes we share a whole lot more than maybe we anticipate, anticipate. And it's just, I think, part of who we are as people and what we enjoy doing and sharing about ourselves. And so when we're looking at um, last week, some things really stood out, and these two pictures stood out from last week. Some of you are smiling because you're knowing exactly what I'm referring to. Others are like, what? <laughs> Those who went, what? May not even know what a Super Bowl is, possibly. So, <laughs> 50th Super Bowl, and at the end of the game, uh, I remember Peyton Manning making two statements on two separate interviews, of which brought much of social media, you know, into this blogosphere, whatever you want to call it. But Peyton basically is saying, and I'm going to be paraphrasing, but uh, when he was interviewed, he said he was going to drink a lot of Budweiser's. And then fast forward into another interview, he was saying that he's going to spend time with his family, he was going to pray to the man upstairs, and then he's going to drink a lot of beers, a lot of Budweiser's. And of course, that got everyone sending off on their tweets and Facebook posts and what have you. At the same time, um, after the, um, the Super Bowl is over and when you have the post-game interviews, Cam Newton, the star quarterback for the Carolina Panthers, um, was very dejected and understandably so. And I say understandably because I have had that feeling of dejection after losing what I think would be one of the, you know, the most important matches in, in my career um, from a wrestling standpoint. And so I was feeling what he's feeling. But because of the way he walked off the stage, everyone gets to write about his immaturity or lack of immature or lack of maturity. And so those were the two things that minutes after um, these things took place, posts were being made all the way into the next morning. And from my personal perspective, it wasn't until Monday night that I got to see some balance. After about 24 hours on some of what had been said. And so my question then, are there amazing standards that we place upon men, upon man, that we would not even place among ourselves at times? I want you to stop and think about this. Because it's very interesting that when someone has a view or thought that is different than mine, that I'm going to make a statement about that person because, well, it's not as good, not as holy, maybe as a Christian would say, as the perspective that I have. And I'm saying this on some fronts because there are things that were said that I believe we can go to Scripture and show, hey, you know what? What he said wouldn't be good. There are also some times in which we're wondering, what are we doing in placing men as our standards? We just sang the song, worthy is the Lamb of God. You know, worthy is His name. And then we look at people 
And we say, you know, there's no name except for Jesus Christ that we are to come to. I mean, I'm not saved by Peyton Manning, let alone Cam Newton. And yet we're saying, but you know, these are individuals that are role models for our children. I want to ask you this question. Did they make themselves as role models or did we? I want you to think seriously about answering that question. In some cases, some put themselves in a situation that's saying, look at me, I am a role model and I choose to be a role model. But that's very rare. Most of the individuals don't do that. Peyton Manning is professed to be a Christian. At least that's what I've heard. I've never read it myself, but I've heard that about him. Cam Newton, he gets paid millions of dollars. He is a professional athlete. He should behave as a professional athlete. And so because of these things, we put them as role models or statements of that nature where they have to present themselves in a manner that I deem worthy. If not, I'm going to be able to say something about them. Now, when we look at these standards, would you subject yourself to those standards? In other words, when you look at what someone says and they are not quite to your standard, do they lose respect in your eyes? Should this have been a standard for us to begin with in Peyton Manning? I'll tell you right now, I did research, a little bit of research, not much, but a little bit of research as a result of what had happened. The guy's not squeaky clean. But his image is, as far as media is concerned. But when he falls from the eyes of grace in your eyes, what was he to begin with? You know, why was he such a great standard? And I'm not saying it to bash because we got ball fans in here. By all means, that's not my intention. I'm just saying he is a man. He's just a man. And further than that, he is not someone I would have personally put up on a pedestal to begin with as a role model, although he does a lot of wonderful things, by the way. A ton of wonderful things that we could list. That doesn't make him necessarily a role model. Neither is he because he makes millions of dollars and is a professional athlete that he has to be mature for some reason. You can be paid millions of dollars and be immature. Not that I want you to be, but you can be immature with tons of money in a professional league. It happens every single day, by the way. So why do I say these things? Well, because today, unlike, not unlike the first century, we do the same things. We compare ourselves by ourselves. We compare ourselves among ourselves, commending ourselves because of what someone else does that is not necessarily so commendable or maybe even commendable that I would agree with. But we do this. We make comparisons based upon the fact that we like someone or hate someone. And so you can have haters of Peyton Manning, and there are many of them. I've read their posts about all that he had said. And those who are hating on Cam Newton and those who love Peyton Manning and those who love Cam Newton. Making statements. Standards, and I'm using it plurally. Standards give us a sense of reference, of where we belong morally. That's what standards do. We either pass or fail on this moral, we can even deal with objective measures and what have you, but dealing with Christianity here. Good or bad, better or worse, whatever it is, but that's what standards do. 
I measure up or I'm better than or I'm less than someone else in reference to whatever you want to place in as far as the, the subject matter. And so love it or hate it, we all do it all the time. We make judgments. The problem is that as we are doing this, we can become guilty of something the scriptures refer to as being self-righteous. And herein lies a very, very prominent teaching in scripture about self-righteousness. It's when we take a measure of a standard and we apply it and that application may not always go two ways. I may apply this standard for you and for me, but what about the next thing? In other words, you can hold me up high on this particular standard, but please don't hold me up on another one that you're good at and I'm not so good at because I'm human. Forgetting the other person's human too. The other person's going to do things or say things that are sinful or questionable as far as wisdom is concerned, not edifying, so on and so forth. And so what some Christians will do is we'll look at sinners in this world and like, and I, um, I'm not in the class that y'all have in this auditorium as far as um, the parables of Jesus, but I got a little bit based upon what David was referring to Ben's class. But you know, looking at that prostitute, since y'all were mentioning that this morning, oh, can't believe that. My daughter would never do this thing. Can you imagine any parent thinking that of their own daughter? Or, my son would never be with a prostitute, and yet, it happens. I would never subject myself, women would say, of prostitutes. I would never do that with my body. You have no idea what goes on in the life of someone else that does something that is heinous. You have no concept at times because you don't or have not walked in their shoes. You have no idea, brethren. It's only because of what we've been able to do the last two and a half years in the jail that we're becoming to be more sympathetic to a number of women that have prostituted themselves many times under the strong thumb or death threat of someone else. And so we don't know. Or why is it that someone's involved in whatever heinous activity that we'll judge as sinful? And it is sinful, and we'll have standards. We'll talk about that in just a bit. But we'll do that with sinners. And then professed Christians, again, Peyton Manning as the example. Here's a professed Christian, and while, look at what he said. When we say professed Christians, we're talking about people that they'll call themselves Christians, but we might say, I question whether they are truly a Christian or not because of, and we use a standard, God's word, along with standards, our opinions about God's word, and make judgments. And then we do it against Christians. Like, how many of you read the Bible so far, keeping up with the the reading of the Bible, and if I do better than you, I can, you know, I can talk about it. But if I don't, if I'm not doing good with my Bible reading, well, I'm not going to broach that subject. <laughs> you know, we'll, we'll bring things up that makes us look good and maybe someone else not as good because they've not held up to that standard. So we'll do it with sinners. We'll do it with professed Christians. We'll even do it with weak Christians, weak on a given area that I may not be weak on. So that's what happens that brings out what Jesus taught against called self-righteousness. Well, here's the thing. 
The side effect of comparing ourselves by ourselves with this form of judgment is this. We un unintentionally reveal a lot about our character. That's what Jesus brought into the open. That's what happens. You reveal about yourself when you portray this type of judging. Your own sins of pride, hatred, jealousy, a number of things. That's what self-righteousness is. This is what Jesus condemned in Matthew chapter 7. He said, do not judge lest you be judged. By that same measurement of judgment that you use against another, it will be meted out against you. I'm paraphrasing verses 1 and 2. That's what Jesus is talking about. It's not that judgment cannot be used. It's used all the time. We see it in Scripture. It's what kind of judgment is being used. And therein lies what I saw on social media last week. I saw this form of judgment among many, whether columnists that were writing articles that were bashing Cam Newton in just minutes after it had been done. And then later on, I don't know if you guys followed up on the whole Cam Newton story, but the next day someone said, well, did you hear what was actually being said right next to Cam Newton? And there was a, another player, one of the cornerbacks from the winning team from the Broncos, and he was, quote, unquote, bashing on Cam Newton. And so Cam Newton got up and walked out. So then people said, well, there's more context now. Well, then later on, Cam says, no, that's not even what was. I'm a sore loser. <laughs> and then he went out and said it. And then the people who were saying that he was a sore loser to begin, were, begin with were actually right. But more context came out later on. You don't know until the person speaks and says, yeah, I'm a sore loser. I hate losing. Not everyone is mature when losing. It's easy to win, hard to lose. And those of you who have been in sports long enough, a long enough time, you may have been on the immature side of losing. A lot of times people are on the immature side of winning, for that matter. But we get that. We unintentionally reveal our own insecurities, our own sins, our own weaknesses when we make this type of judgment. Well, if we're talking about that, that's a super problem to play off the Super Bowl, if you will, because, oh, bad font on the screen. Looks much better on here. <laughs> the self-righteous lack empathy or sympathy. That's a problem. Because what the self-righteous within any of us fails to do is to empathize with the fact that, you know what? That may not be my sin that I've just condemned. I have my own sins. Remember, this is what Jesus taught about in the Gospel of Luke. When he says, that plank that I have in my eye, I don't see it. But that speck in your eye, that's very clear to me. We need to remove that. And I'll remove it through what I say to you, what I say about you, and whatever platform I choose. And that's what happens, brethren. And it's hard to share the gospel when this is the form of judging that we will use. It's hard to share the gospel. It is no different 
than what we read in Scripture when you have a man who's a Pharisee praying to God and another man who is an acknowledged sinner praying to God and the one with a self-righteousness within him says, God, I thank you. I thank you. I am not like that sinner. That's the epitome of what we are talking about. That's the epitome of what Jesus condemned explicitly on numerous occasions. I'm glad I'm not like him. This is what was condemned that I saw in, in some cases last week. Not every case. And mind you, just because you made a post about it, don't, don't think I'm talking to you about you or anything like that. I'm just generalizing all the posts that I've heard and read. A number of them were very good posts and well stated. That's what I saw in a number of cases last week. And it wasn't until 24 hours later that I began to see a little bit of balance and see this next person come up. The person that would look at himself first and acknowledge his sins or her sins before making statements. Brethren, therein lies a difference between self-righteousness, and humility right there in Luke 18. And this is what I want to focus on for the remainder of this because I want you to employ this if it has not been employed. I want this to be a part of who we are as children of God so that when we share the gospel, it's no wonder that people want to hear the good news because they see in you the humility that is found in Jesus Christ. The, humilitary, the humility necessary when sharing the gospel so that people can actually see what good news looks like as it transforms their lives because they see it in your life. So what does that mean then? Unlike the self-righteous, the humbled Christian understands others' sins. They're able to empathize with others. They can sympathize. While I may not have this as my sin, you know what? That's who you are. That's where you are. We can work with each other from this point. That's what sympathy will do. I may not understand what you're going through. I may not understand the way you think and why you think the way you do. But I know that generally speaking, we're on the same page. We're all sinners. And that there are areas that I may be weak in, that you may be strong in your faith about, and vice versa. And so that's what the Savior's solution to this problem is, is humility. That's the answer, brethren. And what we see with humility is a side effect. You see, the side effect of comparing ourselves with, not ourselves, but with God, is that I'm not putting man on a pedestal that he doesn't belong to. Brethren, why do preachers and elders just shred the faith of Christians? Preachers and elders? Like, that preacher's been preaching for 50 years. I can't believe he would do this to his wife. As if he was Christ himself. I can't believe a shepherd of the congregation would do this. There are elders guilty of sin just like any other Christian. Yes, he has a reputation of being a godly man. But he's still a man. Brethren, when we get into an understanding that even the most mature Christians sin, make foolish statements, and that we can go to one another, lovingly rebuke one another if needed at times firmly but to each other's face 
it will be with humility on our end. Because we know I'm not immune just because I preach the gospel that I'm not going to sin. Elders are not immune just because they shepherd the flock. Bible class teachers are not immune. In your family, you may be looked up as the rock in your family of spiritual maturity, and you're not immune. So why would anyone else that we would look to as a potential role model be immune? They're human. And humility understands that. And that's what is revealed about your character when you can judge someone by virtue of here is God's word, here is who I am in Christ and without Christ, and here is who you are without Christ. And, and, and so we can look to each other, speak to one another by virtue of a humbled attitude, humble character. And so here's what that does. You're able to look at sinners and say, well, you know what? And I've never prostituted myself. I've, I was never a drug dealer. I've never murdered. And that's who we deal with a lot now in the jails, right? But I'll tell you what, while I may not understand because I have not walked in your shoes, I can tell you what I have done. And I'm talking about me, Mitch Davis, not of you, yourself. But you can do the same thing of yourself if you, if you look back at your life. Have there been decisions, brethren, that you have made as Christians that could have landed you in jail? If you had been caught. Some of you don't want to nod your head because it's a giveaway for me, right? <laughs> Just go like this. Yeah, that was me too. <laughs> I have on many occasions. I mean, I'm just being honest. The sins that I committed, I could be arrested for. But I hadn't been. So am I better because of it? Because I didn't go to jail and someone did? Am I a better person because of that? We don't know what goes on secretly in our own lives at times. Brethren, if I cannot trust myself at times to know that I'm not perfect and will never be perfect as far as my choices in my behavior, not that, I mean, now that I'm in Christ, my life is much better than it was before I was a Christian. But the point is, I still sin as a Christian. What makes me think that the person who is not a Christian is somehow put on some kind of pedestal that he's supposed to be Christ-like, whether it's governmental rulers, whether it's people in organizations or businesses, whether it's school teachers or civic leaders of some sort, whatever they may or whoever they may be, we understand that. We look at them as simply sinners needing the precious blood of Jesus. And when I look at professed Christians, and when I talk about professed Christians, people that, that profess Christianity, that I may say, well, based upon Scripture, I don't know if, if you look like or act like what a Christian is supposed to be according to Scripture. But you know what? That person is a professed Christian. They might look at me as a professed Christian, by the way. <laughs> that has happened on the other end, too. Just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're looked at that way uh, according to some or others. Because we all judge, right? But we'll look at professed Christians and going, okay. They claim to be Christian. 
They have a worldview of Scripture that may not line up with yours. Are they striving to follow Christ? Work with them. Don't make it any more difficult than it already is. And then when they are your brethren, that you know for a fact these are brethren, we have the right hand of fellowship, why would you destroy such by your words on, on various forms of media? That's why I know some brethren said that's why we're not on Facebook. Because <laughs> I don't want that temptation. I don't want that, that drama in my life. Not understandable. But know this. The Apostle Paul, whom we would hold up as an example, Paul himself says, follow my example. He put himself that said, follow me. Not because I'm perfect. Paul never ever said that. Follow my example because I follow Christ. And he does follow Christ. But Paul himself said that not with self-righteousness. Not being empathetic or sympathizing with his brethren or with sinners. He said it. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, saying, I am the chief of sinners. He didn't do that just because it was sounding good, sounds humble. He did it because he recognized, he understood, he did everything that was against Christ at some point. And you cannot get any worse than that. It's one thing to deny Christ, but to stand up against and fight against Jesus and his church that's what he was guilty of, and he recognized it and called the shot very clearly. I'm a chief sinner. And some translations, the chiefest of them. That's what humility will do. You acknowledge, you own your sinfulness. And you're able then to be able to be more empathetic or sympathetic toward others and their sins. What that standard then is, it's not a multiplicity of standards, but one. It's Jesus himself. David mentioned when he was talking to the Lord's Supper that everything we do is in, in memory of Jesus Christ himself. That sacrifice was perfect, setting forth a perfect standard of God's love for us and that measure of love by which we are to grow in. And that's what we see. And we recognize that every one of us who has ever been born in this world that lives lives life we sin all sin and fall short of god's glory and so if all sin and fall short of god's glory brethren when we start putting each other up as role models be careful because we will disappoint each other at some point i have disappointed you at some point i know i have at some point whether you said it out loud to someone else or maybe to me hopefully to me but out loud or in your heart I've disappointed you at some point. Our elders have disappointed you at some point. God bless them. And I mean it sincerely. God bless them because it's a difficult situation. But when we recognize we're all sinners, now we will temper our words. We don't mind stating with humility, you know what? What Peyton Manning said, I considered foolish. That's my opinion. I think it was foolish words. But he didn't lose a single point in my book, personally. I never put him up on that pedestal. 
Peyton Manning does a lot of wonderful things, not because he's wealthy, because he's got that kind of giving heart. He does that. Now, am I going to start comparing him to a Tim Tebow? Talk about comparing yourselves with one another. <laughs> the guy who, didn't he just go on some 24-hour, went to Haiti, and went to some place, and he went to all these proms with disability. <gasps> Sorry, got to judge the prom. <laughs> Sorry. My point being, and I did that on purpose. My point being, we start easily going back to the very thing we ought not to be doing, comparing ourselves by ourselves. You know, whatever someone does, if they're doing it to bring glory to God, hey, give thanks for that. The Apostle Paul said many people preach the gospel out of pretense. Let them preach. If it brings people to know who Christ is, let them. And the opportunity to share the gospel in its true form is always going to be available. But know that your standard is not going to be a Tim Tebow. It's not going to be a Peyton Manning. It's not going to be a Cam Newton. It's not going to be any other person that you want to place in except for Jesus and him crucified. There's your standard. You will never go wrong with that standard. because That standard will never change. That standard will never disappoint you. Only man. And so that's the lesson for this morning. I want you to think about these things. Where the next time someone's going to make big news, and it's going to happen, it's just a matter of time, it's going to happen. I want you to stop and think about if you decide to share posts, which by all means, you have that freedom prerogative. We, we don't live in North Korea. We don't live in China. <laughs> we can do these things. Use not just your wisdom, but use love, genuine biblical love to be employed with that wise, sage advice that you're going to give. And I tell you what, you'll be in a much better position when you share the gospel with people because they have read your posts or they've heard your statements. And they'll be a lot more keen to listen to you when you share the good news with them. Think about these things. If you're here this morning and you want to come to Jesus, you're not coming into a perfect church. You're coming into a church that's been perfected by Christ. There's a huge difference between those two things, right? Perfect church means that we're sinless. But a perfected church is Christ makes us to be without sin so we can stand justified by faith, Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2, by faith before our God. That's what happens when you come into the body of Christ. And I pray that you'll grow with us, that we can become more and more Christ-like so that more people will be able to see the glory of God, and turn to him. That's our desire. If you're here and you want to die with Christ so that you can be raised to walk in newness of life, we urge you to do so or to return to him. We'll be happy to pray with you, happy to pray for you if you want. But that's our invitation for you and to you as together we stand and sing.